Happy New Year, Shay. Happy New Year, Anna. And Happy New Year to all of our listeners. We're back. Did you miss us? Yeah, you might have noticed that we took some time away from podcasting to reset. Taking a rest, it turns out, is common practice for many people around the new year. (laughs) But it's certainly not so common for us. Nope. Over the last year or so, Anna and I have come to realize that we have certainly bought into the notion of toxic productivity. Mm -hmm. So in taking some time off, we went head to head with our own tendencies to power through feeling (laughs) tired, even when we've worked ourselves into a dust. And it felt so good. Mm, So good. We'll admit it, we're even recording this episode several (laughs) weeks later than we intended to. Yeah, yep. So now that we're a bit more rested, we want to use the new year as an opportunity to address this need to constantly get things done. So in today's episode, we're taking a quick detour from teaching and we're zooming in on toxic productivity in hopes that we'll be able to set some goals to tackle this compulsion in the new year. It sounds oxymoronic though, right? Goal setting to battle toxic productivity? I'm all for a good oxymoron. Hello, and welcome to the Teacher Think Aloud podcast, a podcast for reflective practice for teachers of English around the world. I'm your co-host, Shay. And I'm Anna. So let's start with the definition of toxic productivity. You looked it up, right, Shay? I did. So toxic productivity is defined as an obsession with being productive at all times. And often that desire for productivity comes at the expense of other priorities Mm. in life. So, I mean, I think the irony of this whole episode is that like when we came up with this episode, I'm pretty sure that you were like in a bathtub trying to relax or something. (laughs) Yes, yes, that is true. I was relaxing (laughs) and simultaneously thinking about the podcast. Took a bath because I was feeling stressed and then got stressed about taking a bath and just reading for leisure. I mean, who does that? (laughs) (laughs) Let's face it. One of us at any given time is stressed about something. And that means that often the other one is tasked with talking the other one down about the amount of work she has to do to help her from feeling overwhelmed. Yep. And in this taking care of each other from a distance, we're always saying cliche things like, make sure you rest, you work too much, take time Uh for you. So in that moment, I wrote to you to let you know that I was taking a bath and taking care of me. But then I just happened to take the opportunity to share a podcast idea. So you did not (laughs) understand the assignment of relaxing. Mm -mm. (laughs) We're bad at practicing what we preach, though. Such hypocrites. Mm -hmm. We are. And I actually admitted this to a group of students just at the end of the term. Mm -hmm. They were saying how, ah, they're so busy, everything's happening. So I told them, yes, the end of the semester is busy. But you guys, you know, remember, it's really important to take care of yourselves and drink enough water and eat enough food and get solid sleep at night. You know, all the common things that we try to remind ourselves of. And then the very next day, I actually fainted. (laughs) 
before class as a result of this perfect storm. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that. That was awful. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. I had had a challenging workout that morning. I didn't have enough food or water, too much caffeine, too much last minute prep for Yikes. class. Yeah, I mean, same the same here. Like I'm constantly checking work emails at like 10 p.m. Mm. or later on a regular basis. Yesterday, for example, my ballet class was canceled. So I decided to work on stuff for the podcast, which is mm. fun course of course but then I'm up till like 10 p.m and then like I got an email and I responded to it did a couple more tasks and I had to stop and say what am I doing I could have taken the extra time to read a book and get to bed early which I love doing mm-hmm. but I just wound up feeling wired and going to bed late mm-hmm. sleep hygiene suffers as a result of these productivity trends In previous episodes, we've talked about the work ethic as a part of the American identity, right? As something that drives us in our culture. We're all about production, busying ourselves, or even trying to at least seem busy as a way to feel accomplished. Mm -hmm. In a way, this sense of accomplishing something correlates to the value we think we hold. We're only useful if we're getting things done. It's kind of sad. Right. And so what happens on those days that you're moving a bit more slowly or you just don't get that much done? Well, there is this looming cloud of guilt that could just dump on you at any given moment. Right. On days I feel off my game, I end up with this nagging voice in my subconscious saying, Mm. do more, do it now. No. I know I should just accept it and try to lean into that slower pace, take a moment to breathe or enjoy something for myself, but you know. (laughs) Yeah, no, a healthier way to go about it would be to say, oh, today was kind of an off day and just move on. Not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But instead, we spend a bunch of time like kicking ourselves for not being this productive bot like the entire day. Mm -hmm. It can really weigh on how you perceive yourself. This obsession with accomplishment, I think, is part of the system that we're in, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's part of our culture, at least here in the West. Like, we just don't slow down. I remember being in other countries and it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to take a coffee break. Even though we have all this stuff going on that I'm stressing about, we're still just going to take that coffee break. The work's still going to be there after, right? It's not going to just disappear by getting to it sooner. Obviously, there are some time-sensitive things, but it's not actually going to resolve it that much faster if you do it now versus in like an hour, you know? Yeah. I remember when I started my fellowship in Argentina, and I was ready to hit the ground running, of course. And on my first day, my counterpart at my host institution was like, whoa, (laughs) chill. (laughs) Like she quite literally said to me, like, chill out, Jay. (laughs) I learned to appreciate that approach after a while, but it did take a bit for me to alter my frenetic tendencies. Yeah, big contrast, right? We're we're both pretty obsessed with productivity and our partnership exacerbates that because we're constantly plugged into each other as friends, but also as colleagues. I mean, we're always just popping in to say, look at this quick, or do you have five minutes? What about this? All right. And this even spills into the time that we physically share, which is scarce since we live across the country. Yeah. So remember when when we met up in New York City in November and you were like, 
So should we record an episode while we're together? <laughs> I'm like, um, let's not. Girls just want to have fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I was a bit overly ambitious there. Uh, but you're just as bad. Oh, I don't doubt that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember convincing you this summer that we didn't have to release an episode the week of your wedding. <laughs> oh, yeah. And well, what about that time that you were getting your hair done and you were working on a script just while sitting there? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, first of all, okay. Okay, I get my hair done like three times a year, and I have a lot of hair. It takes a minimum of five hours every time. It's it's crazy. <laughs> and I know that I should just enjoy being pampered, but it's still kind of painful to sit there for five hours and do just small talk. Like, mm-hmm. small talk doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> well, neither does this podcast, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> Touche. Maybe one day. Mm -hmm. Well, regardless, anything that I feel doesn't serve me in some way, doesn't move me forward professionally, I tend to avoid. So I try to maximize my time, even when I'm supposed to be indulging in some self-care. And it's particularly easy to do, especially with my work at my fingertips. Hey, I'm the same. I mean, I went skiing recently and answered work emails on the chairlift. Oh my gosh. Well, that sounds dangerous, Anna. Bad. (laughs) bad. We always have our phones within reach. And sometimes it's challenging to ignore those little dings. And so I don't ignore them. Actually, um, this reminds me of a book I read, The Organized Mind. There's this uh, there's this part of the book that says, you know, if it's a very short, quick three minute task, then don't leave it on your plate. Just do it right away. If you do that, you'll free up your brain for, you know, bigger things that you're working on. But at the same time, I mean, I think this mentality of getting all those little tasks out of the way sort of contributes to this toxic productivity I find myself stuck Mm -hmm. in, especially when my work notifications and emails are in the palm of my hand at all times. Yeah, I can see the pros and cons of that strategy. Hidden Brain, one of my favorite podcasts, released an episode or a series rather on how the pandemic has altered how we work and how it has increased the likelihood that there's a blurred line between personal and work life, which essentially exacerbates this need to be productive. Totally. Yeah. Since the pandemic started, it's become a lot more intense, right? I I fondly remember those commutes, Mm -hmm. having that time of just shifting, you know, into a different space, into a different headspace. Even a subway packed with other commuters was at least a way to divide, to separate your workspace from your life space. These changes make a huge difference. Like just before the break, I had a house guest staying in my office, so I was working in my kitchen for a few weeks. But there's a huge difference conceptually because I used to work upstairs and then come downstairs for snacks and breaks and things. And then during our guest stay, my computer was in the kitchen where I cooked and ate. So even when I did take a break, I could see my notifications popping up. Like if my phone went off, I could just walk over there and answer that email more easily on my computer. And then I ended up going down a rabbit hole of work. Mm. It was just terrible. Mm -hmm. Yes, this convergence of work and personal life challenges us to be more cognizant of how we're actually spending our time. I actually just started reading Celeste Headley's book, Do Nothing. I'm only a few chapters in, but I've already stumbled across so many nuggets of wisdom. For example, she highlights the fact that so many of us belong to what she calls the cult of efficiency. And as members, we believe in, quote, the virtue of constant activity in finding the most efficient way to accomplish just about anything and everything. She goes on to say that while apps and similar tools can aid us in being productive, 
they can sometimes create the illusion of efficiency. Mm. And even worse, they can actually waste our precious time. I can definitely see that as being a reality. So that brings to surface the difference between feeling accomplished through productivity and feeling actually fulfilled. Working more, even if you love what you do, it won't necessarily bring fulfillment. Right. And as a person who has claimed that my work brings me joy and fulfillment, (laughs) I know what it's like to equate more work with heightened contentment. So I think it's a matter of talking yourself out of it sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Like we weren't designed to be in an office all day. We weren't designed to be on or working all day. We're created to, you know, sort of have a multifaceted existence. And part of that means having other things outside of your work. Oh, yeah. Now, this is something that I'm actually working on, not thinking about my students or other projects constantly. Mm. Actually, Anna, I've always admired how you're able to maintain your hobbies and social calendar. I've been taking notes over the years. (laughs) I really enjoy those hobbies. And to me, it's just so important to be more than your job. But I think you sort of need to treat your hobbies and social commitments like your job to get them to stick sometimes. Like for me, it's really critical that I have scheduled hobbies. I don't want to schedule everything. Of course, I need some spontaneity. But like, if I know that I've already paid for this thing, or if I know like, on Wednesdays, I go to the climbing gym, if I have to cancel, sometimes I do, but on Wednesdays, I have this hobby, and this is what I do on Wednesday evenings. It kind of sort of protects that time for me. Mm -hmm. Structure is important, and maybe that means having a schedule for these activities can help you. Mm -hmm. But I think it's more about knowing your personal tendencies, being aware of your tendencies to skip something if it's not in your planner that you're more likely to show up if you have something scheduled out. That can be really helpful in creating that balance and avoid letting your work consume you. Personally, I've learned to start my day with my routines, yoga, Mm -hmm. Pilates, some reading with a coffee, so that if the work does come to consume me, it doesn't consume all of Mm -hmm. me. Even if I don't sit down at my computer until noon, I still had that special moment just for me in the morning. Noon. 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 Wow. Like, <laughs> I, I am not capable. I, I sent an email from the mm. bathroom at 730 this Ew. morning, just FYI. <laughs> um, <laughs> getting real intimate there. But I've always respected your commitment to carving out you time in the morning. And I really do see the value of it, even though I'm not as good at it as you are. So this is why I also advocate for sports as a hobby or like some version of physical activity because I feel just so much better afterwards. So I try to do just 10 minutes of yoga every morning because it helps me get my body feeling good in the morning. But I haven't done it this week because Mm -hmm. I've been toxically productive. (laughs) For me, that time in the morning is crucial. It makes me feel my best. But I will say that at the end of the day, that's when the panic starts to set in. And I even start to question myself and my schedules, the things that I know are tried and true for me. Mm. And I'll say things like, well, maybe I was too much of a slowpoke this morning. I'm very (laughs) self-critical in this way. Actually, that's something my husband has told me over and over again, that it's okay to have an unproductive day. If you throw away today, it's fine. Nothing's going to happen tomorrow. You'll be productive again. It'll come back. Right. Sometimes you just need to exist. Like, you're not meant to constantly be thinking deeply and critically and producing things. Stop and just breathe air sometimes. 
Yeah. Or even like, okay, your lesson plan turned to crap and maybe you're having a really bad week of teaching. And so you're feeling like, Mm -hmm. I didn't prepare enough. I didn't do this fully. But you don't have to beat yourself up about it, right? Reflect on the experience, as we always say, but then move on because dwelling on our lack of productivity or little hiccups won't have a long-term benefit. Mm -mm. Quite the contrary, really. Mm -hmm. Setting those parameters, I think, those limitations, and also, you know, being softer with the expectations that you put on yourself. Like, I think about the last week of the term. I taught a class until about, oh, I don't know, like four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm. And then I had another class at six o'clock, right? So in between, I was like, okay, I am going to create asynchronous content for that class that just ended and release it to my students and prep for my class that's happening in two hours. And of course, I wasn't able to do both of those things because that's a ridiculous expectation to set. And so then I was like, oh my gosh, but I told my earlier students that I was going to release something and it was going to be available to them by the time they wake up in the morning because they're in Germany, they're six hours ahead of me. And then I was like, wait a second, are my students really going to wake up in the morning and check that I didn't give them another thing to do when they've already got, you know, a million things from me, things from their other classes. Oh man, Shay's posting this non-critical task seven hours later than she said she would. Ah. (laughs) Well, uh, you never know with that group, but Mm. I doubt it, right? Mm -hmm. So all of this to say, be realistic and kind about Mm. the expectations that you're putting on yourself. Mm -hmm. Kind. Yep. It's like, give yourself a break. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get there. And there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, just, you know, this is the new year. So, you know, maybe as part of your resolution, I like making resolutions. I know a lot of people don't believe in making resolutions, but they do help me kind of reset and try to set some realistic goals for myself. But in those resolutions, I try to be as concrete and specific as possible. Like, for example, actually do your 10 minutes of yoga every day, Anna. Hold yourself accountable for that. And like, it's not a huge goal. It's just 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a SMART as in a S-M-A-R-T goal. SMART goal. Yeah, set SMART goals for yourself this year. Mm-hmm. And think of the little things that you can do that are achievable that can help cut back on this toxic productivity. And I think it's worth considering how you're supporting other people silently in this task too. Mm. Like we all struggle with this in one way or another. Mm. We talked about how this is very Western. We come from an individualist culture, but the United States is not the only culture that has bred or at minimum fallen victim to this sort of toxic productivity culture. That's so true. Actually, the other day I texted one of the teachers that I work with at like 4, 5 p.m. my time, which was like 3 in the morning where she lives. And she replied like right away. And it was a work thing. And I was just expecting her to see it in the morning and maybe like, you know, respond then. But it was it was crazy Mm -hmm. the speed at which she replied. It made me think about the degree to which we've exported this toxic productivity. And I don't want to say that, like, you know, American culture has been exported everywhere and everyone thinks the same. Definitely not. What I want to say is I'm sorry that a lot of this has seeped in because of the kinds of transnational exchanges that we have going on. Actually, in Do Nothing, Celeste Headley highlights the fact that, quote, Our time periods aren't names for human development anymore, like the Renaissance and the Enlightenment. We're currently in the jet age, the information age, the nuclear age, and the digital revolution. We measure out our years in work products, not in personal development. (sighs) 
This absolutely blew my mind. Wow. Yeah. But all of this leads us to question why this is the way. Why is this the modus operandi of so many people? Mm. Is it because of how competitive the market is? Or is it because no one ever set us down and said, it's okay to just be sometimes, Mm. right? That's what I'm focusing on in my goals for this new year. Just being a bit more. Being. I'm sure it surprises you. <laughs> I hope that maybe our listeners will join us. So mm. let's let's make a pact. Yes. It's really good to have accountability partners, you know, people just to check in and say like, hey, what have you done for you today that wasn't work related? Or, you know, like, have you had your water? <laughs> so mm-hmm. maybe one of our goals this year is to make each other accountable for being more intentional with our time not letting ourselves fall into a toxic productivity spiral. And we should also be more cognizant about how our productivity is going to be received. Think about what time your colleague will be receiving your email and program a more appropriate hour so that the recipient won't feel pressured to respond at three in the morning. Mm -hmm. Making those small changes can have an immense impact. And we're a lot stronger when we do these things together. So actually, I just, I think that I really want to encourage our listeners in this one to share their little victory. Mm. Like, what is the one little mini goal that you've set for yourself to help reduce this toxic productivity in this year? Just tell us about one thing Mm -hmm. that you did. And you can share your little victory and join the conversation on our various social media accounts. Email us via our contact forum at teacherthinkaloud.com or comment via Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. We welcome your reflections, questions, and ideas. For more resources related to today's topic, and we mentioned a lot of books and podcasts, mm-hmm, we did. take a look at our website and our podcast anchor page, anchor.fm slash teacherthinkaloud. And to make a donation or buy some podcast swag, swag. head over to teacherthinkaloud.com slash support dash us. Okay, I did it. Yes. <laughs> you were anticipating my, my sing-songy swag, right? I know. I was waiting for it. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us on the Teacher Think Aloud podcast. And until next time, happy teaching and happy reflecting. Mm